Hi, my name is Gracie Bentry, and welcome to the Andover High School Women's Forum's podcast series, Strong Women. The HS Women's Forum is a club at Andover High School that promotes female leadership, social justice, and equality. Today, we are interviewing Dr. Magda Parvey. With me today is my co-president, Izzy Senior, along with our vice presidents, Allie Englehart, Gia Champa, and Abby New. Dr. Parvey began her tenure as superintendent of the Andover Public Schools in July 2021. Prior to her appointment in Andover, Dr. Parvey was the chief academic officer for Middletown Public School Schools in Middletown, Connecticut, where she oversaw all instructional programs and was charged with developing a robust strategic operating plan. Prior to her appointment in Middletown, Dr. Parvey was the interim superintendent of the city school district of New Rochelle, New York, Westchester County's second largest school system. As a lifelong educator, Dr. Parvey has held multiple leadership positions during her over 25 years of experience in school systems in Connecticut, North Carolina, and New York. She's a graduate of Kinesicus College, where Kinesis. Kinesis <laughs> College, where from where she holds a Bachelor of Arts degree. Dr. Parvey holds a Master of Science degree in elementary education and a Master of Arts in Educational Leadership and Technology. Um, and a doctor of education and administration and supervision from Fordham University. Dr. Parvey, welcome to the Andover High School Women's Forums podcast series. And thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited to talk with you this afternoon and just we'll get into our first question. So Gia, okay. just start off. Okay, so first we wanna ask you about your background. So first question is, did you want to be superintendent and when, like when you were growing up and also, did you have a different career path in mind when you were younger? And why did you decide to become a teacher? Great question. Um, and so, um, so the short answer is no, I did not want to be a superintendent when I was growing up. When I was growing up, I wanted to be a lawyer and I was sure I was going to be a lawyer. And um, then when I went to college, I took a couple of education classes. And one of the classes, um, there was a practicum where you actually had to go into um, a classroom and work with students and work with a teacher. And I found that I really just enjoyed um, teaching, being around students and really, you know, decided that that might be a more interesting career path for me. But um, initially, I did not think I was going to be a superintendent. I thought that I would be a lawyer. And then when I became a teacher and really got involved in education and then took positions in leadership, I decided, okay, um, at some point in my career, I would like to be a superintendent. So since you said that you um, teach or taught, um, what grades did you teach? I taught grades two to five. I was an elementary teacher, loved, loved elementary, still love them very much. They're still near and dear to my heart. Um, I think that you're shaping young minds there, just like in high school, but the young ones just really always appealed to me. So I taught grades two to five. And I was an elementary teacher. And then I was an assistant principal, and then I was a principal, and then so on and so forth until I got to this point. Like every position. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. um, what was your favorite subject in school? Did you have always English? I actually was an English major um, in college. I majored in English and French because I do speak fluent French. My family is from the Caribbean, and so we speak French. And I spoke French at home, so I majored in college in English, and I loved it in high school. Just love literature, reading. Um, I really enjoyed that. So my favorite subject was always anything related to English and reading. Yeah, and when you were a kid, what, what activities did you like to do? Um, I enjoyed running. So I ran track in high school. I um, still run as an adult now. I ran cross country 
loved it. Um, loved the outdoors, love running um, in the fall, um, early winter, just great running weather. So I've always enjoyed that. And then playing with family, you know, playing with my, I come from a big family. So we also spent a lot of time just playing and spending time together, going to the beach, loved going to the beach with family and um, traveling. So those were some of the activities they enjoyed traveling, running, being with family. Those were all good things. Awesome. Um, did you have a job while you were in high school? I did because I always loved clothes and shoes and shopping. And my mother's pretty much said, I can't support your habits. So if those are the things you want, you need to have a job. So I did work in high school and I worked in a shoe store. I worked in a clothing store. I think you see a pattern in terms of shoes and clothes. Um, so definitely worked in high school doing those things. So we discussed as a club, but we weren't really entirely sure what your job as superintendent entailed. So could you explain that to us? Like what responsibilities you have for like a typical day? That's a great question. So essentially, as a superintendent, I oversee all function and operations of the school district. Of course, I have a team of administrators that help me to do my work, but I essentially oversee the whole district and I work very closely with the school committee. So one of your classmates, um, she now sits on, um, she's a school committee representative from um, school committees she's a student representative and she sits there on with the school committee. So if you ever want to know what a school committee does, the meetings are typically twice a month, um, the first Thursday um, and third Thursday of each month and our school committee meets and they really set policy. So they are my bosses in terms of who's my boss. I work, I serve under the pleasure of the school committee, but I essentially oversee all and everything for the district. So. Um, your principal would say, you know, I'm your principal's boss. That's essentially, you know, um, I oversee all the principals and, um, and and also make sure that everything runs in the district the way it should from a safety perspective, from a what you learn perspective, um, what you eat perspective for lunch, um, the sports, everything fall under my purview as superintendent. Yeah, that's so cool. None of us really knew what like the job entailed so we wanted to ask. yeah yeah just making sure that the district runs and and essentially the buck stops with me so it's always my fault also if things don't go well because i am the superintendent so um what's your favorite aspect of your job honestly Watching and being with students, I think that's my favorite part. I visit schools a lot. I like, you know, I always will try to get a catch a picture of students in action doing wonderful things. I think that we are here to serve students. You are our top priority. You are our top customer. If you're not satisfied, that's important to me because none of us have jobs without students. And so when I get to be in schools and get to see students doing great work with their teachers and teachers being engaged with their students and helping to really make sure that you have a great learning experience, that's the best part of my job. The worst part of my job is just sitting in meetings all day where I'm not in schools, watching kids and um, having to take care of the business of the district because that's important too. So I'm in a lot of meetings that are important to making sure that the district functions in multiple ways. And so that's another big part of my job, making big decisions and making sure I have all the information I need to make big decisions from teachers, parents, um, my bosses and, um, and the state. You know, There are state laws that we need to make sure are in place in our schools as well. And so you'll hear policies being referenced because they drive what we can and can't do and how we operate as a district. 
So when you like tour the schools and you look into the classrooms, are you looking for anything specific? That's a great question. Yes, I'm looking to see um, student engagement. I'm looking to see, are you happy to be there? And I'm also looking to see that if I were a student in this class, do I understand what's going on? Would I be able to learn what's going on? Because um, there's a lot of great thinking happening at that high school. And I can tell you now, I probably wouldn't pass a calculus class. <laughs> so just really seeing how things are being taught and how students are responding to the instruction. And, you know, sometimes, you know, our kid, I can see that kids are not really interested in what they're hearing. And, you know, there can be lots of reasons for that. But I look at that, how engaged are you as learners? And, um, and are you having a good learning experience? You know, are you talking and sharing your thoughts or are you just sitting there receiving information um because i'd like to hear you talking and engaging and active in your learning so that's what i'm looking for uh, so how would you describe like your style of leadership because obviously a superintendent is a big leadership role and what do you think makes someone a good leader and have you always been comfortable leading um that's a really good question. I, I made sure I studied that one a lot. <laughs> because truthfully, um, in terms of describing my leadership style, you know, I asked a couple of people in my office, you know, what would you say is my leadership style? Because the truth is that sometimes you may think one thing, but what people receive and what people see is something completely different. Um, so I would say that, you know, I have a lot of experience. I've worked, um, I've had held central office positions for a really long time. I've done my work around curriculum and teaching and learning and coaching leaders and supervising principals. I've done that for some time. So I'm pretty knowledgeable about the what I have to do and how I have to do it. Um, I also think it's important that I'm direct and clear. So I don't um, usually sugarcoat things. I'm pretty direct about what I have to say, um, always in a respectful way and always being mindful of the, per the receiver. But I think it's important and it's professional respect to be clear and direct. So I would say I'm also direct. Um, I'm confident because I know what I know. So I'm pretty sure of myself. And I don't think that... Um, I remember going to a, a conference once and a woman said something, she was a presenter and she said something that always struck with me. And at that time I was, um, I was an assistant superintendent. I was in a superintendent, but she said, timid and weak women do not leave strong legacies. And that stuck with me. Like, and I would, that's what I would tell any woman being shy, not being confident, not taking risks, not being sure of yourself. Weak women, timid women do not leave legacies. And so if that means something to you, that would be my, my pearls of wisdom. So I'm also unapologetic for things that I feel confident and sure about. Um, but also, you know, you have to be a good listener and you can't lead by yourself. I can't be out front leading and there's no one behind me. So you really have to be um, aware of your surroundings, aware of what's going on, be able to listen. Um, and I think it's really important that you have high integrity. Um, you can't lead if people don't trust you, if people think that you're a liar, um, if people feel that you're inconsistent. So I think those things are really important in leadership, having a high level of integrity, um, being sure of yourself, but also being knowledgeable because your credibility will always be questioned. So you should really know what you're talking about. And if I'm not sure about something or I don't know what I'm talking about, you'll find that I won't say very much. <laughs> so I don't feel like I always have to have to say something. I like to be a learner as well. 
That's all such good advice. Thank you. <laughs> um, as a woman of color, how has that experience like influenced your perspective on leadership? Um, again, very good questions, girls. Um, I think for me, I'm always very careful about what I say and how I say it and how I might be interpreted. And, you know, I was speaking with a colleague who said, well, I'm, I'm careful too about what I say, you know, as a, as a you know, she was a superintendent and, and, um, um, and also another person said that to me that works in my office that, you know, I, I watch what I say, I'm very careful too. And I said, well, I'm sure you do, but for me as a woman of color, um, I'm judged more harshly depending on what I said, what I say and how I say it. And I find that, um, and it is true, and you can see it all over the media, that people are more accepting and forgiving of people that look like them. And so I have to be a lot more careful about what I say and how I say it um, because of how it can be interpreted or misinterpreted or judged. Um, and I do feel that women of color, people of color, tend to be judged more harshly and that whether people want to admit it or not, it is a fact. So I am very careful about what I say, how I say it, because I believe that um, people are a lot more harsh in judging me than they would someone, um, a white counterpart. Yeah, totally. I'm sort of piggybacking off of that question. Have you ever felt you had to work harder because of your gender or race? Yes, I think um, in Massachusetts alone, if you all wanted to do the research, I am one of very few superintendents of color. And when I say very few, you can probably count on two hands out of like 100,000 school districts. So um, there are not many leaders of color and even fewer women of color. Um, the superintendency um, tends to be a very um, white male dominated position. And so um, I guess, yes, <laughs> there are very few of us to begin with, and in Massachusetts in particular, even fewer. Um, and if you whittle that down to women, so there are few superintendents of color and then even fewer um, female um, superintendents of color in Massachusetts. Have you ever experienced um, a pay gap or just unjust experiences in the workplace? Yeah, I, I definitely have. Um, I would say more around pay gap as opposed to unjust experiences in the workplace. I think that, again, I think it's important to really, you know, I always make sure I know what I know um, and I know well what I know so that um, when I interview for a position that, you know, that I can fill my interviewers with confidence that I can do the job that they're um, looking for someone to do. That said, um, the white male dominance in this central office and these positions is, is common. And so I certainly had someone, um, I've had, you know, experienced the pay gap. And, you know, I did address it with my boss who didn't have, you know, much to offer. And so, you know, when the time was right for me, I decided that I would leave and I did. So, and it's good when you can do that. Not everyone can do that. So it's, your question is a good one because I felt confident enough and capable enough that I was like, I'm marketable, I can go. Um, some people don't have that and still have a pay gap. And so we do have to address that on a larger scale because everyone's not gonna just keep 
people don't want to leave. Right? If, if you're in a job you like, you'd like to be appropriately compensated and you'd like to be there long term. And so it, it needs to be addressed at higher than just an individual deciding, well, I'll just go somewhere else where I get compensated better. Really interesting. Um, how have mentors played a role in your life and when you're dealing with a significant like pre professional challenge, who do you like turn for inspiration and guidance for? So probably less inspiration, but guidance I go to, um, I do, I, that's one thing Massachusetts did and I think Massachusetts did well is that they assigned new superintendents um, a coach to kind of navigate the state and really learn the role in Massachusetts because Massachusetts is unique. It's one of your questions and it is unique. So I do have a professional coach who works with me. And when I have a professional challenge because she has significant years experience, I turn to her for professional guidance. For inspiration, I always turn to my family. I come from um, a family of very strong, highly educated people and so, they have always believed that, you know, don't ever shy away from an opportunity because you're you're not anywhere because of your good looks. You're there because you're qualified. I don't know if they were trying to say something about my looks, but anyway, <laughs> they certainly were like, you know, you're not getting hired because of your good looks. You're getting hired because you know what you're doing. And so don't ever apologize for that. And so from an inspiration standpoint, I have a very strong support system in my family and I turn to them for inspiration, but for guidance around my professional work and challenges, I do have a professional um, coach that I work with um, that has been very helpful in navigating Massachusetts. Like you said earlier, like you said, Massachusetts is very unique and I know <laughs> many different states like New York, Connecticut, North Carolina, so how does like Andover differ from the other places you've been um, or how are they similar? So the similarities, like, you know, I feel comfortable in Andover, like North Carolina was quite an experience for me. So I was, you know, raised in the Northeast, you know, from New York. And so going to North Carolina, which is the South was kind of like culture shock for me. <laughs> um, then I went running back to New York. Um, but that said, it, it was a great learning experience, to be honest. But um, what I found unique about Massachusetts, particularly because it is um, in the Northeast. So I was like, okay, I'm familiar with the Northeast. I've been in Connecticut. I could do Massachusetts. Um, it kind of feels very like, um, um, it's that whole New England experience. I would say like town meeting was a shock for me. It was, it was great actually, but just, you know, watching Andover the, um, go through its democratic process. That was one of the first um, things I ever attended here was um, the town meeting um, right before I started, I believe it was on June 5th. And I was just like, you know, the whole raising of the paddles, everything, I found that really, really amazing. And if you all haven't gone, perhaps you should ask your parents if you can attend a town meeting. For me, not being from New England and not being from Massachusetts in particular, it was really, really interesting to just um, see that. And you all have an accent. I mean, of course, I'm told that I have an accent, but um, <laughs> there is really a very distinct accent here, um, like in terms of how you all say um, car and I think your AR is like, like, it's like, you, I can, I'm like, wow, there's an accent. At first it sounds normal. And then certain words, um, like smart, like something was like, you're wicked smart. Like it's just, <laughs> there's an accent here. <laughs> yeah. um, 
But of course, people say that I, you know, I say water funny because I'm from New York. I'm like, it's water, isn't it? But they say I say water weird. So I know, they say I have an accent, but all the same. That is something that stood out to me too, that, um, that pe to me, people here have an accent um, and the whole town meeting experience. I was like, wow, like watching the democratic process that still kind of feels like old world-ish. I thought that was really quite unique. Mm -hmm. So what is your top priority for Andover? So if you had like a magic wand and could wave it once, like what would you change about Andover? Um, so my top priority is the academics and what's happening in, in classrooms for you all. So teaching and learning is like one of the most important things for me, making sure that our students have a quality experience and that they're actually enjoying their experiences and really prepared for life outside of Andover, I think is, is really important. But what we have in Andover and we've had for some time is an achievement gap um, in terms of our students of color, our students with disabilities tend to perform significantly. Um, they don't achieve as high as our, um, as our white students. And so if I had a magic wand and I could wave it just once, there'd be no academic and achievement gap for our students. They all would be able to perform at high levels. And the reason that it would be my magic wand work because it's a lot of work to address that gap. Um, there's a lot that we need to do as a district to address um, some of the academic disparities that our students experience here. Um, and I do not believe that um, our underrepresented groups should be, um, that their performance should be racially identifiable, that we expect a group to perform less than their um, counterparts. So a magic wand would solve that issue for us, and but we would still have to keep working at it. But that would be something that I wish were an easy fix, but it's not, it will take us some time. Thank you for that like new perspective. You're yeah. welcome. Similarly, like one of your goals for the current school year is to implement a social emotional learning um, mm -hmm. And maybe it might be as a result of the pandemic that and social media that kids are more stressed and anxious than ever. Um, mm -hmm. I think is driving it. And how is APS preparing to support students and teachers with the social emotional learning program? So there's a lot in that question. It's an excellent question, but there's a lot in there. So a couple of things. So research has actually shown that the anxiety and stress of students started before the pandemic. So I think the pandemic, the pandemic put a magnifying glass on the issue, but the issue had started before the pandemic and the pandemic made it worse, essentially exacerbated the issue, um, but also social media, right? So social media plays a big role now in, in anxiety and stress for students, people, students feeling judged, you know, it takes one inappropriate TikTok, Snapchat, Facebook, um, and it's not just for students, it's also for adults, you know, people are a lot more confident to say hurtful things when they can sit behind a screen um, and, and attack someone. Um, and, and how our students internalize those things is way differently than adult than an adult that can cope and handle that kind of, um, um, I would say, insult or criticism. So I think as a district, a couple of things that we have done is that, first of all, we have um, psychologists in all of our schools that are there to support students. We have social workers in, in our schools. We also, um, I recently hired um, an SEL coordinator who's 
role is really to help us with social emotional learning and making sure that we have a social emotional learning plan to address um, any type of needs for our students. And social emotional learning is really tier one. It's a basic of like, how do I help your average kid that seems well adjusted, that's doing okay, cope with something, a couple of the curveballs that may come their way, but helping them to be able to see like, this is not the end of the world and this is how you navigate something. Um, and also because of social media, you know, it means that, you know, kids might also feel more like they're missing out of things because it's, it's like so fast and furious that you're getting information that things are happening. So all of those things add to the stress, the worries that students have um, or may, may have had then in years past. So the ways that we do that, we also have an assessment that we share that we um, that really lets us know what students might be um, um, at risk of having anxiety issues or stress issues. So we actually look at that and then we determine through those assessments, which of our students need to have some time with social workers or need to have time with our psych um, psychologists or even guidance counselors to help determine what type of a su support the students need and do they need something perhaps even outside of school depending on what their needs are. So um, it's something we take very seriously. It's a goal for us and we're looking to have this plan kind of be a roadmap for what, how do um, our staff address the needs of students? So we have that now. Staff pretty much, our staff is pretty skilled at that. But a, 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 your average student that may not look like they have an issue, we need a plan for that student too. And those are the things that we're shaping as well. Oh yeah, and input from you. We do need input from our students. So that's what, you know, those surveys that we're doing, it's not just about the adults, right? Like we actually need to hear from you. So the surveys are also helping us to let us know what you think you need and where you'd like more support as well. Awesome, yeah, thank you. Um, all of that's like so helpful, especially like some most of us are applying to college and stuff. So that anxiety is just even increased further. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Definitely. Our next question is, what is Andover doing to deliver on its commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion? And how can students help with that? That is a great question. Um, excellent question. So we do have, um, at your school, there is a student um, diversity, equity, and inclusion um, advisory club. And they have provided some input to um, central office, to the principals, to program coordinators about how, um, how their experience could be improved. But they also shared like what their experience is, like feeling like they don't have a voice in certain things or that they don't feel that they're reflected in the curriculum. They've actually given some very good feedback. I think students probably are the leaders in that kind of work to help administrators to um, see how things need to be done differently. Um, also, it's one of my goals. If you look at the goals that I have now for this year, one of my goals is to participate in a Massachusetts run um, workshop of sorts that pretty much guides districts around getting your equity work off the ground. And Andover has done different things around equity. So it's not like it's the first time it's being addressed here. What I do believe is necessary though, is we need a common language around equity. How do we all define equity? Because equity means different things for different people. For some people it's about race, for some people it's about gender, for some people it's about disability, um, religion, culture, ethnicity, and it's all of those things. And so how do we go about having a shared definition of what we mean as a district about equity? So we're working on, I'm attending this that workshop series with um, 
one of my assistant superintendents and we're gonna really look at shaping what an equity plan in Andover will look like, but um, it's definitely important work. We do have an equity policy, but we need to revisit those things and make sure we're all on the same page about what it means in Andover. Great, so our next question is, how is Andover addressing sustainability and do we have a zero emission target date? Yes, that is a good, good question. And we have a couple of things going on. So I don't know if any of you are aware, but we have our West El Shashin building project. Our school is being, and the school is being built. Um, and that school um, is designed to be net zero ready and an all electric building. And Bancroft Elementary School is a solar ready school and the town is evaluating other locations to um, have solar panels to have solar energy for our schools. And the town itself and our town has been working on this so outside of the district within the town, the town is developing a climate action plan this year. Um, which will set emissions goal emission goals and targets town wide and according to our. Um, Town person, she said that it's very likely that the town will adopt the state's overall goal of reaching net zero carbon emission by 2050, um, which became a state law last year in terms of a goal of 2050 for that. So we have, and then we are talking about the possibility, um, there's an Andover High School building committee that's talking about the possibility of whether renovating or building a new high school. And that is also with, um, would definitely have that same goal in mind in terms of being ready for um, having a net zero emissions goal as well. Yeah, we heard about the new high school. Um, <laughs> so. it's, it's, it's exciting, right? Yeah, that's that's exciting, but we won't be here for yeah. that. Yeah, but you can always come visit. Yeah, we come visit, <laughs> definitely. What advice would you give to your high school self? And like, do you think you would, she would listen to you? That's a really good question. Would she listen to me? I think she would, because I think I can be very convincing. Um, but the advice I would give my high school self would be kind of what I told you all about timid um, and weak women do not leave strong legacies. Um, and to really explore, um, I think that I didn't explore enough, um, whether um, in college, after college, you know, I came from a very strict Caribbean household where my future was planned. You're gonna finish high school, you're gonna go to college, you're gonna go, you know, and it was all planned and, you know, I would say like I would have liked to have more exploration, traveled more, um, take greater risk. Like I kind of stayed where it felt safe. And I think that, and not unsafe risk, but risk where we don't just sit and say, you know, I can only take this AP class because this is what I want my outcome to be. Explore the arts, explore other things that you're interested in, explore, explore something hands-on that really taps into your creativity, but don't limit yourself and don't let anyone tell you what you can and can't do, especially if you don't believe they have your best interest in mind. Now your parents are not who I'm talking about, but um, but if someone is, you know, if someone is talking to you with deficit language, well, you can't do that, you know, you're a girl or you can't do that and you believe in your heart you can, then you make sure that you look into that and see what it is that you need to be able to be successful. But, you know, limiting language is not, you know, I think just, I believe that I listen to, I let too many people discourage me about things that I wasn't even sure about myself. So I would tell my high school self to be more confident, be more sure of yourself and take some risks and, and, and see what life has to offer. Thank you, that's such good advice. Yeah. So going into like 
more college stuff because you see Allie and I are all seniors. <laughs> um, yeah. We were wondering what you would like what advice you would give for high schoolers going into their transition to college and what you wish you had known before going off to college? That's a really good question. What I wish I knew. Well, I think that what I wish I knew more clearly is that your college professors are not your high school or your elementary teachers. So their level of interest in your learning, it's really a lot more independent. You are more, it's the work is all on you. You can literally decide that you're gonna stay in bed and not go to class. And they will, if you're gonna fail, you're gonna fail. They're not gonna say, hey, are you gonna come to class? No one's gonna check on you in that way. You are a lot more independent and you are more responsible. And so really being able to set a schedule for yourself and don't overdo it. I remember taking six classes my first year and just being like, oh my God, because everybody wanted a 15 page paper. They wanted it last week. You had to read a number of books and it just became overwhelming very quickly. Um, so being able to manage your time, recognizing that no one's gonna chase you for the paper. No one's gonna, those things are your responsibility. So you're, it's you, you are, <laughs> no one's gonna come in and check in on you. If you decide not to show up, you, you cannot show up, but they will also fail you. So take what they say seriously. If they say you miss more than three classes, you're done. Know that they will fail you. Know that your papers are your responsibility. Know that professors offer office hours. If you have questions, take them up on their office hours. Show interest, follow up, and really take a manageable schedule. You know, and like I said, explore. Take something you wouldn't have taken before. You know, to see you might find an interest. Like I wasn't interested in education. I was pursuing law, and then I was like, let me take this, these two education classes. I need to get some electives and. Here I am today. So I think also explore things that might be of interest to you or that you, you know, be like, hmm, I'm curious about it. So be curious, stay curious and, and really enjoy the experience. Don't enjoy it, not too much. Your parents would not be happy if you're enjoying it too much, but appropriately enjoy your experience in terms of exploration of classes and courses. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. So we have like a fun question next. You have a what? A fun question next. Okay, I like fun questions. <laughs> Is there like anything that you recommend to us? Just like a book, a TV show, or just like anything really? Huh. So in terms of books, you know, I haven't read for pleasure in a long time. A lot of my books are informational <laughs> books. Um, and like, I think Brene Brown, she talks a lot about vulnerability. She talks about um, really being clear and being honest and not having expectations of others when you haven't made your expectations clear. So essentially being mad at someone for not um, something they didn't do when your expectations of them weren't clear. And that's kind of her theme. But I would say in terms of books that I have enjoyed, um, I'm just trying to think. Um, I loved Girl on the Train. I thought that was a really good book. Um, it was a good mystery thriller. That's a couple of years back. Um, Movies, TV shows, I'm embarrassed to say I'm not a big TV watcher. I do watch some TV, but um, a series that I that, that um, I thought I was just told about, I'm trying to think, like that you said fun, so I guess you're seeing that I'm not really a fun person. <laughs> I don't, and I'm also trying to think about, is this appropriate for your age in terms of the shows that I'm thinking about? But um, 
um, I have also decided to like, um, my daughter recommended Stranger Things and I actually watched it and I was like, it actually was pretty interesting. So Stranger Things, I would say, if you're into that type of sci-fi things, I, I found Stranger Things to be good. In terms of books, I think that um, I enjoy like mysteries and thrillers and things of that nature. So um, another book I really liked was Gone Girl. Um, there was a movie for it, though that was a good one too. But um, I would say if you have good shows you can recommend, you can let me know. I, clearly need to have a little bit more downtime. So. Stranger Things is one of my favorites too. Yeah, Stranger Things is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. yeah. Those are all of our questions for today. And we just want to thank you for talking to us. Like all your answers were so great. And thank you. Mentor. So we were so happy to talk to you and thank you for listening to our yeah, podcast and make sure to follow our Instagram at HS. I would love to. <laughs> yes, yeah, um, Gracie, if you can share um, the Instagram again with me, that would be great. Yeah, I think all are great. And I love that this is about strong women. I'm all for that. So. Yes, and you are the perfect example. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. And definitely say hello when you see me in the high school because I am I visit quite we often. Will, so please will. Yes, yes say hello. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. You're welcome. Thank you.